0: Hello, all you Covey Clubbers out there. This is Leslie Seymour, and I am the founder of this podcast and of CoveyClub.com. And if you are a reinventor, and I guess that's why you're here. Why would you be here if you're not thinking about reinventing? I have got a wonderful person to talk to you today about. Her name is Sarah Froiling and sarah has reached the highest level of mastery in the field of coaching as one of the few master certified coaches in the world only 0.3% 0.03% excuse me of coaches are master certified and she helps fortune 20 companies uh, you know work with their top executives and she started out in the mental health area and found that she wanted more, even though she had a thriving, interesting business in the area of mental health. So I hope you will join us and you will enjoy this conversation and you will learn something about coaching, which I didn't know. I didn't know about all the different levels. And I also didn't know about the master level, which is uh, sort of a the, highest kind of certification you can get. I know a lot of you are thinking of becoming coaches and also she talks a lot about how to make it financially feasible because uh, I also hear from a lot of you that it's a struggle to actually make coaching financially feasible and yet if that's your calling that's what you have to do. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Sarah. There she is. So wonderful to have you, Sarah. Thanks for being on the podcast.
1: Leslie, it's great to be here. I was looking forward to it.
0: So let's talk about your personal reinvention, and then we'll get into how other people can reinvent and all the tips and tricks that you have and the knowledge you have. What was your personal reinvention? First of all, where did you grow up and what did you start out doing?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I have a wonderful reinvention story. I grew up in a small town in the middle of Nebraska, 25,000 people. Now I coach clients who own businesses who have way more employees than were in my entire town. So I grew up kind of in the middle of nowhere or the middle of everywhere, everywhere, depending on how you think of it. Right. Um, My first career, I was a mental health therapist. So I owned oh. my own private practice. I was an entrepreneur. I loved the kind of sacredness of working one family, one person, one couple at a time with mental mm-hmm. health. Mm-hmm. I did that for about two and a half decades. And then I hit kind of a upper limits issue and mm-hmm. took myself through a reinvention process. Mm-hmm.
0: That's very common. So, what was your upper? What was it that you just could only help so many people? or was it financial? or oh, what so was the what was the limit?
1: You bet. Leslie, I specialized in trauma. Mm. And so actually, I think the last two years that I worked as a therapist, I heard such just tragic trauma stories, too, in particular that I wish I hadn't heard, right. that I wish I actually didn't know people were capable of treating mm. another human being like that. Mm. So it was this, it was this simultaneous combination and your your listeners may really resonate with this. I was totally burnt out and I was mm. also a little bored. So mm-hmm. nothing felt fun. I didn't feel engaged mm. anymore. Mm-hmm. And also with the, with the incoming, Um, change in the landscape of mental health and medical services, managed mental health had come on board. And that meant that instead of looking at price increases, a lot of companies, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Midlands Choice, Medicaid, Medicare, prices were staying the same or they were going down Uh over 10 years. The last decade I worked as a therapist, really my income was pretty stagnant. There was no way to increase income. And I made a great living and I loved my clients. But all of that, along with the weight of managed mental health, what was required, more paperwork, electronic records, all the things Mm. I loved about Mm. being a therapist got overshadowed by just the pain in the, took us work that we were Right, Right. right,
0: right. Well, a lot of people have that and it happens in there uh, unexpectedly and it happens because of the digital revolution and all yes. of that stuff. So we can't control that, but yes, a lot of people have that. So then you reinvented yourself as? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've
1: ever experienced this, Leslie. Um, I had this gorgeous moment and I've I've had this happen several times in my life. I'm going to suggest it as a tool for your listeners as well. I had what appeared, I call it a portal moment. So a moment when something shows up and you just feel it intuitively, energetically, you feel like you're aligned with your highest calling. And if you have the courage, you step through and zoop, you go up to this next level. The portal moment appeared. I had I actually had lunch with a really good friend of mine. He was a multimillionaire. His dad had just passed away, and he was coming back to our hometown. And he reached out and said, Hey, could we have lunch? And we met and we kind of shared stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was really struggling with a, a few things in marriage and life. And I shared, you know, I'm bored and I'm totally burnt out. And at the end of our conversation, I bet we talked for two hours. He said to me, oh, my God, Sarah, this was the best conversation I've had in a decade. You have got to become a professional executive coach. Hmm. And I thought, hmm, OK, let me look into this. Because like, this guy's brilliant. He has a brilliant mind. He, he really connects people. He can see their own genius. So I looked into it. I made a gorgeous business plan, as you might imagine, to be mm-hmm. a therapist part-time and a coach part-time. And what happened was the coaching was so fun. I realized for years I had been in my zone of excellence. So you maybe have heard of this zone of competence, what you know, right? zone right. of excellence, what you're really good at, and right. then zone of genius, that right. success where work is Low right coaching became that, and do you know my coaching business just took off? So it led to a move. We moved from our small town when my son was a sophomore in high school. Oh,
0: that's so Which, difficult!
1: Yeah, he was on board. So, your listeners will appreciate this. He was on board. I'd said to my husband, actually, before the move, because I'd been commuting back and forth from Hastings, Nebraska, this little town, to Omaha, Nebraska, the largest city, where I had multiple clients, and I'd said to my husband, you know, I think I should get an apartment. I'm really tired. We had good friends. I was sleeping in their guest bedroom. I felt like I knew their routine as well as our routine. Like, that's not normal. So I'd said, I think I should get an apartment. And my husband said, which has been the most glorious thing I'm so grateful for, you know, if you're going to get an apartment for three years till our son graduates from high school, we should just move. So we talked about it. My son was on board. It wasn't easy. So for me, it was glorious. Work was incredible. Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. committed back to Hastings to finish with all of my therapy clients. Um, my son, my husband got to do his job remotely. So that part was easy, but our son who'd been on board when it actually happened really said afterwards, um, this might be working out for you, but it's
0: not for me. And yeah, that's a tough, that's a tough change at that time in life. Yes.
1: And the best thing that I can share is the gift of perspective with your listeners, because at graduation and when he went to college, he actually said to us, that was the best thing you could have ever done. Oh, that's so great. It me up still because it was hard. Right. It was scary. Right. And i felt so guilty and anybody who's a career person with a family gets that push pull um and later he said that that prepared me so well for life
0: it was oh that's so great yeah no and as a kid my dad was in the military early and Mm -hmm. so we were moving every two years but that was like the 60s and when they didn't think about the kids it was just like i mean i moved on valentine's day you know it's like no one cared was the kids were like baggage it was like i'm going baggage follows we don't you know just Suffer it out, you know. So it's a it's a different world in the way we treat it. What's interesting to me is we I've talked to a lot of people in the psychology area, therapist area who have moved over to coaching, and I think it's really interesting. Maybe you can talk a little bit about it because I'm sure we have a lot of listeners in that area. That I think you know I'm a veteran of 25 years of psychotherapy, and one of the things that was frustrating is that it never dealt with today. It always dealt with the past, which was great. I mean, to find out what your motivations are and recognize when old patterns are holding you back or interfering or erupting, right? But it never moved you forward. It was kind of like, I feel like coaching has become the missing link in mental health care. It's that I wouldn't say just go into coaching and don't know don't know your drivers don't know why you're unhappy don't know I, I think it's a it's a two part process go find out you know every family's dysfunctional find out what went on in yours even the best families are dysfunctional find those things out but then if you want to move forward it seems to me that coaching is the missing link no. No
1: actually Leslie I love that you brought this up because after being a listener and hearing you talk about this I've really wanted to share this not only with you but with your audience so um this is how I see the difference because people often don't understand therapy is really past focused and problem focused so it's trauma focused it's healing so if we have somebody at this level of, Like, let's pretend this is healthy functioning. In therapy, we're really working on getting somebody up to just healthy. Coaching is so different because coaching is, for me, because I'm strength-based, future-focused, and appreciative inquiry coach, it's very future-focused. It's What do you want the future to look like? What works well? And how can we create a vision that's so inspiring that you're being pulled into the future instead of running away from the past? Right.
0: A lot of therapists
1: sit uh, with their clients with a lot of empathy, but they don't actually pull them out of the drama triangle. That's the victim, persecutor, rescuer role. As a therapist, I was cognitive behavioral, which is is one of the best ways to pull people out of being in a victim. It's really about moving into the empowerment dynamic and Mm -hmm. stepping up, taking responsibility for your life. As a coach, I've taken that even to the next level. So I have what I love to call my dynamic duo. It's a unique approach to coaching. Most coaches are either or. So they're accountability coaches, let's do this, check the box, or their insight coaches really working on helping people create aha moments. And I personally believe aha's are gorgeous. I love them, but they're really not worth much if you don't do anything with it. Mm. So, so my unique brand that I use with me, and I have a team of coaches that also uses this approach. We work towards the aha, but then okay, what are we gonna do with this? So it's this self-awareness of why am I showing up the way I'm showing up? How is that serving me? How's that affecting the people around me? Is it creating the results I want? All right, if so, great, how do we do more of that? If not, what are my obstacles? What's running me underneath and how can I create action steps to pull out of that, so that might be thinking differently, acting differently, um, asking your team, asking your family for feedback, for support, uncovering blind spots. So there's a whole host of things we might do.
0: Interesting. So if people are listening and they're thinking, how do I, how do I segue into something like that, like what you did, you know, out of the mental health field or out of something else? that's adjacent to that where do you start
1: yeah so if somebody's specifically thinking about moving from the world of mental health into coaching or anybody thinking about coaching first you need to know that the average coach makes $20,000 or less a year
0: yeah so, i think there's a disconnect there i think everybody has been sold that it's going to be super lucrative very yeah. very easily i get that impression yeah
1: yeah so no Okay, this is especially, I think coaching was one of the biggest, right after podcasting, uh, one of the most popular things that people did during the pandemic, because people thought, oh, I'm burnt out on corporate, let me do something different. And the the truth is about it, you have to be an entrepreneur, you have to be able to handle the business side of things, and you have to be able to do the coaching side of things it was just Thanksgiving. And I like to kind of joke about coaching that it's the exact opposite of pumpkin pie. So the best pumpkin pie you ever had, in my opinion, isn't actually that much better than the worst piece of pumpkin pie you ever had. There's not that much difference. In the world of coaching, the gap is enormous because anybody can become a coach I saw right. online the other day take a 2 hour course and call yourself a certified coach through that program. So a couple things about this you know there's this huge gap. Really really average coaches are out there. The bar for entry is incredibly low. I
0: say it's the new real estate. Yeah. The
1: the International Coaching Federation is our best um bar for standards in in the US that's global, but it's also, you know, you're not required. You can be board certified, which I am. Um, Like you sit for the board the way you might for a nursing license or a dentist license or a mental health license. So I have done that. And I am a master certified coach with the ICF, which is the highest level of certification. Um, Only 4% of certified coaches in the world are master coaches, which basically is about 4,000 people in the world. And we have about 2,000 billionaires in the world. So I always say there's two master coaches for each each billionaire. Mm -hmm. So it's rare. So I would say if you're interested in that, get a really excellent accredited program through the ICF and do the work,
0: do the Mm -hmm. training, Ah, so first get your certification from the right place. How long yeah. does how long does the average certification take? Well, it depends. And what's the investment? What are what kind of investment are they looking at?
1: You know, it depends. The coaching the coaching program I went through was the College of Executive Coaching out of Santa Barbara. Um, it was pre COVID. I'm eight years into the business, so I went for a week intensive. I got a lot of things done. I think it probably took another nine months. To finish my accreditation, investment is maybe about $5,000 now. To get to the MCC, you know, then you have a lot of hours of training. I think I had to have over 200 hours of postgraduate work. I had to have uh, somebody in the ICF will know that whether this is right or not, either 2,500 or 5,000 hours of paid work. And you, it's a really rigorous application process. I think it was 27 tabs. I was totally overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think when I work with corporations, when I work with C-suite leaders and founders, they often want somebody at the professional certified coach level or the master certified coach level you know, I think the PCCs are 13% and MCCs are 4%. So I encourage people to look into it. If you really feel called and watch for that portal, does it feel right? Do you feel it in that intuitive level? Oh, I'm really called to do this and find a really good support. Often you can do that through your college so that you have people surrounding you who are also building a business at the same time.
0: And, Why is the average um, sort of yearly intake so low is that people don't know how to run the business or they're, they're, they're not defined enough or unique enough, or they don't hustle. What's the. Yeah.
1: Yes. To all, all of that. I think the biggest challenge that I hear from most, uh, most coaches is finding clients. I've got a great story. It's a reinvention story. Can I share it? Yes. Yes. So my second year as a coach, one of my clients said, oh, I know this lovely woman. She's a coach. I think she she could work for you. And we just moved to Omaha. She She's about my age. We're both in our mid-50s. And I kind of chuckled, that's sweet. We just moved to Omaha. I need friends. I don't need a team. So I invited this woman out for lunch. And I bet we went to lunch for a year. She's delightful. And I think it was about this time, it was probably seven years ago. And she said, Sarah, that's it. I'm breaking up with business. I can't get any clients. I'm done. She was working as an administrator in a school, uh, administrative assistant in a school system. She said, I'm done. I've had it trying to be a coach. I am going to go back. I'm going to get my teaching certificate and I'm going to teach. And the very next week, a different client of mine said, Sarah, I really, really want you to work with my manager level. Here's the budget. It's, I think it was 17 people and you're not allowed to do it. Why weren't
0: you allowed to do it? What does that mean? Well,
1: because I was his coach.
0: So oh, I was in oh, and the C
1: suite leaders, and he's like, okay, I want to now I want coaching for the next level down, but oh, you see. can't do it, which is totally appropriate. And I thought, wow. Okay. I called my I called this woman and I said, you know, I think I have an opportunity for you. Would you like to work for me? And she said, no. I'm going to be a teacher. And I'm like, "Well, when do you start your training?" She's like, "Oh, well, I can't apply till next fall." And I said, "Okay, well, if you can't apply till next fall, could we test this and see what happens?" And she's like, hmm, "Great idea." So she came on board. She was the first coach on my team. She has been fantastic. I have loved working with her. She's still on my team today. And This past year, so she's been on my team since 2018, she shared with me her gratitude for how she had thought I could have been a teacher and that would have been zone of excellence, not zone of genius. And she shared with me in 2022, she met all of her financial goals more than she'd ever thought she could. And this year, she met all of her financial goals by August 1st. Wow. So she, so part of it is really the network, how you do it. And, you know, I think there's a great business. There's all kinds of flexibility. Your listeners may be ready for that. There's a real revolution that happens, you know, at this age in your fifties where you really want more, you really want more, you want fulfillment.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah and a lot of people are looking for creativity they didn't have creative jobs they didn't have flexibility they didn't have um yeah. all the things that you know they just feel like the the window is closing and i want to give another part of myself yeah. do you have to become part of a of a group network in order to make enough money or can you, you know, do
1: you it i think you don't i think most coaches are solopreneurs And in that way, if we think about the heroine's journey and how women function, it's lonely. Right, yes, right. And it's hard to be at the top and kind of manage your own doubts and fears, especially if you go from corporate into something that's entrepreneurial. You know, I, I know for me, because I came out of the entrepreneurial world and had run my own business for two and a half decades i think it's partly why i was so successful so quickly none of the business things faced me piece of cake i know how to do all this right you know bing 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 it's right. set and you know i think one of the gifts that i bring one of my kind of magic secret sauce is because of having held this sacred safe brave space as a therapist, people shared with me, continue to as a coach, every time I get a client, things they've never told a soul. Mm. When it comes to coaching, Leslie, I really think I'm in uh, what a friend of mine calls blue ocean. Mm -hmm. So a lot of coaches come out of the corporate world, their corporate burnout, they have a master's degree in business or a business degree. And when it comes to mental health or trauma, coaches are really trained. Don't go there. That's, that's not what you do refer someone to a therapist, but because of my background, my unique background in mental health, positive psychology, strength-based training, and trauma, all the things that other coaches are running away from is where I start. Mm. So I often share that I have four levels that I work with clients at and I do think it might be interesting for your your listeners because some of them may be driven a lot of my clients find me because they're being driven by trauma that's actually running things below the surface.
0: Yeah, that's what yeah, that's what I meant in terms of yeah, you got to you've got to know what's driving you. You've got to start with that. Yep.
1: Right. Yeah. Did you hear the interview? It's been at least a decade or more ago of Elizabeth Gilbert when she talked about when she wrote Eat, Pray, Love. Uh huh. She talked about how anxiety is always present, and that she felt like when she's on the edge of creativity, her anxiety is in full gear. She described it as if anxiety was driving the car, and she's being held hostage in the back seat. This is an example of trauma running you subconsciously. I loved what she said because she said what she's realized, and this is part of, I think, her reinvention story. Um, what she realized was her job was to treat her her anxiety like a toddler throwing a fit, put them in timeout on the back seat and take control of the, the car. And so a lot, a lot of times I love that. When I work with clients on these levels of self mastery, when we coach together, so a lot of women come to me. Uh, if we have time, I'll share stories of clients, and if not, just know they come. They've had this awakening; they're ready for something more. Awakenings can come in the in the form of, you know, divorce, right. loss, somebody's died, right. Right. rock
0: bottom at work, transition. Yep,
1: that's yeah, what we deal with. Can, Yeah. Yeah. It also can be a spiritual awakening. Right. Um, so when I work with clients, we really step into being students of our own self mastery. Right. So that looks like helping these women with their emotional range. How, how can they handle their own emotions and the people around them, whether it's family or at work, The capacity is the second thing that we work on, their depth and resiliency. So we know grit's the number one predictor of success. So we really work on developing resiliency. How can I handle more, More have more capacity to handle what comes my way with grace? Right. The third thing is- Go ahead.
0: I want to get you to. We're almost at the end, so I know you want. You had a couple of things. I, I do. don't want to interrupt you, but there are a couple of things that you wanted to get to. We only have four more minutes, but okay, um, I'll finish these. Four finish weeks. that, and then let's. Then I'll go give to you a couple of tools, you bet. Yes.
1: So the third area is nervous system mastery. So this means being able to shut off fight or flight, our sympathetic nervous system, and engage our parasympathetic nervous system that part we forget about rest and digest and underneath all of that is the fourth area, which is really, for me, your spiritual truth aligning with your higher self and your highest calling. So I know that you ask every person who's on your podcast for some tools. I have three, maybe four that I could share. Um, I'm going to name three of them and I'll describe one since we have a few Great. left. fantastic. So the portal exercise is the first one, which is to think about when our times kind of like shoots and ladders, that game where something happened and you trusted your instinct and the next level appeared. If people can look at that, it often gives you clues on how to follow the breadcrumbs of your soul's journey. The second idea is to do an energy audit. Super simple exercise. Draw a line across the middle of your paper. Above the line, write the things that energy energize you. Below the line, write down your drains and think about people, places, thoughts, mindsets, situations systematically try and eliminate your drains. That may mean, I mean, when people do that, it's shocking. It may be interacting with different friends, changing jobs, changing things with a significant other. I also have um, a dashboard that people can use. So my gift to your listeners, if this sparks someone's creativity, I wanted to offer them all of these tools as a gift. So if they email me, Um, Or reach out, we'll provide the links, I'm sure, in your show notes. We will give them these PDFs so they can download it. Fantastic. Yeah. The final one is um, the emotional guidance scale. This one is a model that looks up the upward spiral of emotions that bring us up and the downward spiral of thoughts and emotions that bring us down. And that works really beautifully in tandem with the energy audit. So, hopefully, this will spark people to think about how can I really get to know myself better? These tools really help you notice where do I feel most alive? Most right. of my clients, you know, they're seeking, they want it all, Leslie time, freedom, financial freedom, love, joy, empowerment. It's not enough to just be content. They really, especially in a reinvention stage, they really are looking for
0: inspiration to take it to their
1: biggest, highest calling.
0: Yes. Well, wonderful. Awesome. Sarah, it's been wonderful speaking to you. Where can people locate you? Where can they find you? Are you on social media? Where are you?
1: I am so I'm on you people can find me at the web at the website frulingcoaching.com frulings hard to spell look it up please we'll have it in the show notes <laughs> right. Um, I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn and uh, Facebook so people can find me there. and if people just email me, um, through the website or through your show notes, I'll provide my email. I'd like to offer your listeners the gift of time, a complimentary coaching session with me or one of my team members to explore any of these ideas further. We're here. I am a servant leader and it, there's nothing more that I enjoy and love, which is giving back. And I know you believe the same thing, mm-hmm. Lessons I heard mm-hmm. it time and time again mm-hmm. um, on the podcast. So it's a thank you to you for having me on the show. I want to support and serve your listeners in that way.
0: Wonderful. Sarah, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me. So thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope that was enjoyable. I hope you learned something. I hope you wrote a lot of stuff down and that you're actually going to go into the show notes, download those wonderful Uh, worksheets that Sarah's offering to you and please take advantage of what she's saying But if you can have a free consultation I know a lot of you are looking for coaches talk to her talk to the people who work with her and hopefully you will find the direction that you're headed in and if you're serious about your reinvention come on over to CoveyClub.com at Covey Club we have a lot of free downloads articles essays guides all about reinvention and that's a great place to start. It's a good way to get yourself going. And also, if you're really going to do some kind of reinvention, and remember, it doesn't have to be life-changing. It can be small. If you're going to do it, don't do it alone. Do it in a group and join Covey Club. Covey Club is a group of women who are in the process of rethinking where they are. And they're rethinking, reimagining, re framing, restarting, whatever you wanna call it in small ways and large. Um, And they're helping each other get there. That's our whole point. We wanna, we don't want you to do this alone. I had to do it alone. It was very hard. Do it with other women. It's totally affordable. And um, we give you the support that, that you need. So come join us. And if you have any questions about Covey Club or about this podcast, go ahead and just send me an email at Leslie, L-E-S-L-E-Y, at CoveyClub.com. And I'd love to hear your questions, thoughts, or how else we can help you. And I hope to hear from you soon. So take care. Bye.